The following podcast has some explicit language for everybody, so just to let you know, there might be some swearing, but uh, not too much. But uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed the podcast, and I hope you've uh, enjoyed our analysis. We really appreciate the support, so uh, stay tuned, and uh, here's the next episode of the Tree City Sports Podcast, Red and Blue. You fucking animals. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a long-awaited edition of the Red and Blue podcast. This is our final one of the World Cup because we're recording this on Monday, July 16th. The FIFA World Cup has come by, and it has ended as of yesterday. Uh, I know. It was actually a really good World Cup. Yeah, one of the best in recent memory. Like, I really enjoyed watching this World Cup. Even though my team got knocked out in the group stages, I still watched a bunch of games. Really enjoyed the games, and it came down to uh, France and Croatia, uh, big country powerhouse that was coming back from its uh, rebuild against the golden age of the Croatian players. Second time in five years, or in five World Cups, uh, that Croatia made it to a semifinal in their young history, because remember, they were part of the former Yugoslavia, and uh, they made it to the final this time. And unfortunately, Croatia's Cinderella story ended there. France with a 4-2 victory. Oh. Yeah. I know I'm <laughs> not super happy about that. You, you, okay, y'all listeners know I've been, I've been shitting on France for the most part for the whole tournament. Uh, and that ain't going to change, but continue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just going into this game, France finally showed some scoring potency and the ability that I think a lot of people who watched France – and that watch soccer anticipated from them yep. just because of their offensive talent. And uh, we saw that with two world-class finishes uh, later in the game. It was already 2-1 at this point. but uh, Off of a bullshit flop by Griezmann and then an old goal by, uh, who was it, Mandzukic? Yeah, Mandzukic had it, an own goal, which came off of uh, Griezmann falling to the ground, a dive or a flop for NBA terms. And everybody uh, who saw the footage, he didn't touch him. Like, we all know that that was a flop. And then that set off of a... Uh, that set off of a set piece, which Croatia was very vulnerable off of throughout the tournament. They allowed like a vast majority of their goals off of set pieces. And that's also a big, uh, big theme is tournament. Yeah. Set pieces were very, very uh, high efficient. I mean, just look at England, scoring. for example. Yeah, England basically made it to the semifinals off, off of just set, set pieces. pieces. <laughs> and scored in the semifinal off of the set piece. Yeah, and they got uh, fairly lucky with uh, penalties as well. That's yeah. how Harry Kane got that golden boot. Yeah, I mean, Griezmann scored. And then Griezmann also got a penalty because uh, there was a handball that, you know, it was a, it was a handball. I'm not disputing that it wasn't yeah. a handball. but I th- And me and Olin were talking about this in group text, just like the definition of what you would call on a handball. And it's always my understanding. It's that unless it's intentional yeah. with the handball, that it's you can't you shouldn't call it a foul. Mm-hmm. Because if unless someone is blatantly putting their hand up to deflect the ball. Uh, to stop it from going in the net, then that's when you would consider it a penalty. But in this scenario, it looked like when it hit, uh, I think it was Perisic. Yeah, it was Perisic. Uh, he hit the ball, or it was kicked, the ball was kicked, and it bounced off of his hand, his shoulder, then hit his hand, and then went out of bounds. Well, it hit, it hit his hand, hit his shoulder, it hit his hand, and then it went down onto his leg, and then it kicked, got kicked out of bounds. And Graham's correct. Uh, it's not technically a handball unless it's uh, it's deemed uh, on purpose by the referee. And my reasoning, I don't know if this is actually what they thought. I'm sure FIFA will release that bullshit at some point. But, like, um, I think the referee thought that he angled his hand to a way to where the ball went down to his leg. 
and then uh, got kicked out of bounds. So I think the fact that it went down to his leg and then got kicked out of bounds is what made the ref think that it was intentional. I think if it had just hit his arm and then fallen to the ground, it wouldn't have been called. But since it went on his leg out of bounds, which was a favorable play uh, for Croatia at that point in the in the game, uh, that was a vulnerable counterattack that they were getting uh, beat off of. And if he didn't kick the ball out of bounds, it could have very well been a goal. So I think that was the ref's reasoning for giving them the penalty. I don't agree with it, quite frankly. This is also... France had just gotten that goal off of the own goal. Right. And then immediately Croatia came back with that laser strike by Perisic right. to make it 1-1. Which, which, oh my gosh, the ball handling, the the ability, the technique. Croatia does a good job Ooh. of getting those aerial, of winning those aerial duels and being able to head it to their uh, players' feet. They did that in the last game too when they played yep. in the semifinals. They did a great job of, that's how Mandzukic scored the winning goal for them yeah, yeah. against England where they headed the ball, flicked it back to him, and he got that goal going to his left. They did that to Paris, Paris and again, he was running to the left, off balance, kicking it to the right side. Beautiful finish by Ivan Perisic, who honestly was probably, if not the best player for Croatia, the second best behind Luka Modric, who was given the, uh, what was it? It's not the golden boot. It's the, uh, it's the, uh, what's it? Basically, he was given the most valuable player. Yeah, best player of the tournament. Yeah. I forget what the, what it's called. It's not golden boot, but it's something. But Perisic played, uh, played really well in this tournament. And I think that, that I think that, penalty that was given up really changed the entire thing of the game because to that point Croatia was really bullying France in a lot of different ways and it's the golden ball excuse us okay. uh, so he got the golden ball which is the best player of the tournament yeah it, and we were talking about this kind of arguing about it like Croatia Croatia was dominating for a part of the game and then I think what happened for me is that that penalty kick swung the momentum to France's way because Croatia shouldn't have had to concede that penalty. It also wasn't called a penalty initially. It had to go to VAR, the video assistant referee. And if y'all and were they called wa- it. Yeah, and if y'all were watching, the ref, he, he walked away and then halfway back to the field, turned around to get a second look. So clearly this was the decision that he was on the fence about. Uh, just, you know, for the people watching, it wasn't a clear-cut penalty. And me personally, I think if you have to walk back to the to the TV to get another look at it, and you're you're that not sure, then don't call it. It's a World Cup final. Like the game's momentum was already kind of out of whack at that point. Like, don't call it. Like, but that's just me. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of points at this game before um, the two other the two goals by Paul Pogba and Kylian Mbappe that made it four one. Where this game was really very well played by both sides. It was yep. it wasn't a track meet, but there was a lot of running up and down the field. Good stops by the defense. Midfield's doing a good job of controlling and a lot of chances created that just weren't converted. But then, like we said, Paul Pogba and Kylian Mbappe both had world-class finishes. Both are world-class players in their own right. Mbappe having his breaking out party as a teenager. Paul Pogba showing that potential that everyone knows he has and that ability that he has when he came over from Juventus to Manchester United. Yep. And, a, and a, at that point, a world, tr- a world record transfer fee. So... I mean, France definitely played really well, but I think Croatia had their flashes of dominance in this game where had some of those breaks not just gone in the neutral way or in Croatia's way, it could have been a very different game. Because I think that penalty set in effect a huge transfer, a huge transfer of momentum to France's side and gave them that confidence to attack because they knew they were up a goal. Yeah, and I think there was a, there was a soft spot for Croatia when it was, uh, what was it, 3-2 at that point? Uh, it before, was four two. Well, before Killian's shot, it was. Uh, I was two one. Was it two one? 
was Killian's the third shot? He was the, the third goal. He was the Pogba third was shot. was the fourth goal. Okay, so it was before Pogba's shot. I think there was a soft spot for Croatia where they still had time to take over the game. You know, at this point, uh, like Graham said, France had the confidence to attack when they needed to. But at the same time, the way they play uh, with five in the midfield, I believe, yeah, five in the midfield. It's to the it's it's so they can defend when they need to. And to France's credit, they did a great job of playing their system and attacking when they needed to, defending when they needed to, and they played great defense all tournament. And I think a lot of that was aided by their world class midfielders. But that being said, I think there was a definitely a 15-20 minute window where Croatia was all throughout the game, in my opinion, Croatia was always in it. They were always attacking. Even when they were down, they weren't scared. They weren't parking the bus like, we, we got to stop the bleeding. They were going for it, uh, you know, and a lot of that uh, is credited to their fearless leader, Luka Modric. Like we said, got the golden ball, fully deserved it. Um, but I think there was a soft spot where Croatia could have taken over the game. And, you know, to France's credit, they defended well. They didn't let that happen. Uh and they played well. Both teams really did play well. I think it was a world-class uh, final. Uh, and, you know, it was a great way to cap off the World Cup. Uh, I hate on France uh, because, uh, as Graham will know, uh, like England, they're a cycle early. Uh, they have a lot of young talent that's just now blossoming. Like we, like Graham said, Kylian Mbappe had his coming out party, got the youngest, uh, the young player outstanding award. And not forget the fact that they have a lot of good players on the bench as well, like Thomas Lamar and Nabil Fakir. Right. They are stacked from world class, not world class, but high talented players at several positions, both defense and the midfield. And they have some wingers coming up right. in the future that'll help with Mbappe and a Griezmann. Right. They're stacked from a talent position. So that being said, this we were talking about it. This France team is supposed to have a Spain type of dominance run in Europe just because of how young they are. All the experience they got from this World Cup. Kylian Mbappe isn't scared. He is one of the few, he, at 19, he has defenders on their back heel off of Rick. And this is something that as a, as a forward, you have to, you have to earn from defenders. Defenders will play you a certain type of way because they know how you're going to react. Mbappe is a killer. He's a pure striker. He's going to run down your throat with all of the pace and he'll beat you off ball. So defenders are scared. They're backing off of him off of Rick because they know he's going to beat them. And that is something that at 19 is great to see. So, so the next two major tournaments, he's going to be 21 and 23, yeah. which is major assets. So you're going to have Golo Conte will still be in his early 30s, yeah. Paul Pogba will be in his late 20s. That team, at mo- at worst, has one more good FIFA World Cup cycle in it. And when it comes to Euros, they could have a couple. Yeah. So th- that And for those who didn't know, Spain won the World Cup in 2010, the Euros in 2008, the World Cup in 2010, yes. and the Euros in 2012. Which is... Uh- which is unprecedented. Yeah, to win two Euro Cups and a World Cup in a what? What's that? A four, eight year span. Eight years. Yes, that's ridiculous. And you very rarely see teams that dominant. The last team before them but... was the French team in the early nine, the late nineties, early two thousands. The team that won in ninety eight, that then then won, lost in two thousand six. That was the last team that really had a dominant stretch. Right. Because even because Brazil's dominant stretch was in like the early nineties and the eighties. Yeah. Of that nature. We've. Their, yeah. their last World Cup win was 2002. Right. Uh, that being said, this France team is poised to have a very dominant run. Like we said, I didn't, from the beginning of the tournament, I thought Belgium was going to be the squad just because they're a little more prime. They have more caps. I thought uh, overall they were, they were, this was their year. That being said, this France team took it. 
And they won. And I think they're going to be very, very dangerous in Europe for many years. And as for Croatia, I mean, they would have been the second smallest country to ever win a final. And they really, they played an extra game, essentially, because they played three extra time games. Yeah, which adds up to 90 minutes. Yeah, so they play, and they played into penalties twice. So they had to deal with high-pressure situations the entire knockout stages, not unlike the group stages, where they played very strongly and advanced. Right. They were had their backs against the wall and could have been eliminated at any point in this tournament and made it all the way to the final. And a couple bad breaks went their way. I mean, went the way of France, and that's what ended up happening. I mean, if you give France that many opportunities, the big difference is France buried their opportunities and had, but also had some world-class finishes by players that really just – are coming into their own. Yeah, and I think, honestly, that's what it came down to because Croatia had no uh, shortage of chances. No, sh- They have no shortage of talent. Uh, when it came down to it, uh, it was just a little bit more world talent, uh, world-class finishes from France, France's side that went in. It, those breaks could have easily went to Croatia. Croatia had many chances, uh, and they just didn't bury them. And I think, you know, when it came down to it, France won. I'm not going to talk smack about them because winning a World Cup is no easy feat. Uh, so they deserved it and they're going to be very dangerous. So, I mean, that's, that pretty much wraps up our world cup coverage. We've really enjoyed covering the world cup. That's why we started this podcast, but like we've said, and we've teased a couple times, this isn't just a world cup podcast. Oh no, no, no. We're going to start doing premier league, English premier league. We're going to do Spanish, uh, premier league, the La Liga running a little bit of Italian league, the Syria, A, or, and then the Bundesliga, the German mm-hmm. premier league. But um, and the reason we're doing and we're starting this today, and the reason we are is because uh, one of the bigger transfers in terms of both name and uh, and performance happened over the last I think it was two weeks ago, a week ago where it was official. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, everyone knows him. He's one of the best players in the world, if not the best. Uh, he the best. moved from Real Madrid, where he was the all-time leading goal scorer, which is no big, which is no small fi- f- uh, feat because that team is loaded with historic players. Facts. Uh, won them four uh, Champions Leagues, won four Balloon Dior's, which for those who don't know is like the MVP yep. in uh, world soccer for best player. Won four of those while he was there. And he left Real Madrid to go seek another challenge uh, at another giant, because that's the only team that could afford him, <laughs> uh, Juventus, the Italian giant in Serie A, the Italian uh, Premier League division. Uh I told him about this like a week or two before it happened, and at that point it was just rumors. And I didn't believe it. And he I really didn't believe didn't. me. I really didn't believe and it. To be honest, I didn't want to believe it until I knew for a fact I heard it was coming, until I heard it from Cristiano Ronaldo or his agent. And then I heard it from Ronaldo's agents, and I heard it from several um, notable media outlets like The Mirror and The Guardian and, Fran- and uh, England, who are both very good at um, sport, at soccer. Uh, transfer news. So that news came and he is moving to Juventus to really just have a new challenge because he had won so many champ. He'd won three straight champions leagues with Real Madrid, four out of the past five. Um, I don't know. I feel like for me personally, I feel like he just wanted a new challenge. Yeah, honestly, I think he was getting bored. Like you win three champions leagues in a row. Like, you know, it's not really, it's, it's, not, like, it's like me playing FIFA. Yeah. It's really not that it's not anything challenging and he he's a uh i guess to equate this uh he's chase he's he's lebron in the current game he's chasing greatness like those are the only people that are competing and his business ventures you know he's going to a country that's could very well help him he's into the fashion industry a lot 
He's going to be in Italy where the fashion industry is very important there. He's always trying to study his clothing lines and things. Yeah. It's a, I think what I mean by that is it was a, as much a business decision for him as I think it, as it was a player decision for where he wants to play. Because Juventus is still going to be able to compete for championships, even though actually compared to the bigger uh, teams in the world, they actually have a smaller budget than the Real Madrid's and the Barcelona's and the two Manchester clubs and even Paris Saint-Germain in France. So, yeah, I think I think honestly it was it was as simple as he was looking for a new challenge. He didn't want anything that he'd done before. He's like I said, he's 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 like LeBron. He wants that new challenge. He's just adding to his legacy to be in, in the conversation as one of the greatest of all time. So really that left him two leagues to pick from. Yeah. The Bundesliga, so we could have gone to Bayern Munich or Juventus. Yeah. And Juventus showed the most interest in him. He had mutual interest. And I think it's a great signing for them. They have to sign. They have to sell off a couple of their players. But even at age thirty-three, Ronaldo is still having a great, still playing very well, and I mean, still refining his game. Statistically, having probably one of his better seasons last season. Yeah, I mean his efficiency and his ability to um, win off ball and his set piece mastery. His 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 kilometers ran, which is a lot of what. I hate on him in the, in the previous years because he won't run nearly as much as uh, other people in his position. And a lot of times it looks like he's just lazy, just waiting for the ball to come to him and then he'll make the magic happen because he's Ronaldo. Uh, but a lot of times you got to make those runs, even when you're the best in the world. The ball doesn't always fall to you. You got to make the ball come to you by making these runs. And last year he made, he, he stepped up and he started, whether that be fitness, because I know we talked about uh, his, his, he's on, he's a Tom Brady uh, level obsession with his uh, fitness uh, and what he takes into his body and I know he kind of stepped that up a, a little this season uh, he's getting a little older in terms of soccer years uh, he's definitely up there I mean this is his 16th year and this was his 16th year in professional right. soccer he started at age 17 right uh, so he's he's you know like like many of the greats they start very young uh, and not a lot of them can sustain it for as long as he has. Uh, Ronaldinho petered out a little before his around his thirties. Wayne Rooney just made his debut for DC United. <laughs> Wayne Rooney, one of my favorite players of all time, just made his his retirement re league debut. Re yeah, retirement league debut as I like to call it. So you know the fact that he's still like at this level at this age says a lot about him. And I think he just wanted a new challenge in Juventus. Like Graham said, he only had a couple leagues to choose from. And I think Italy uh, kind of jives with what he wants to do in his personal life and soccer wise. I don't think he wanted to go back to Premier League because he's already been there and done that. And plus he, if he would have gone, he could have gone to some of the other big clubs, but like he went, he was a Manchester United player. So I don't know if he would have done that in terms of, I don't know his personality. I don't know if he would have picked another Premier League club after playing at Manchester United for so long. I don't think so because I don't think he would have picked City for sure. In the past, he said that he only wanted to play for Man United in the Premier League. Now this can all change. This was years ago that I read this. But that being said, uh, I I was holding out hope that he would come back home, but I'm not that surprised. And that being said, our squad is looking fairly good uh, without him. So, and I mean, Juventus will automatically become one of the more favorites in the Champions. Oh no question, they'll no handle question. their they'll handle <laughs> their business in the, uh, in the Italian Premier League division, especially now with um, one of the teams, Napoli, who's falling off because they lost their manager and a couple big players. Uh, they finished second, very close behind Juventus this year, and they're going to drop off now a little bit just because of. The talent they're losing, the coach they lost, who was one of the better coaches in the in Europe, uh, moved to Premier League. Right. Uh, sorry, moved to Chelsea. And uh, I think it'll be good for Juventus because it'll give Ronaldo a chance to not have as much of a gauntlet throughout the season. He can focus on the Champions League. Right, and honestly, I think that's something that uh, uh, 
went into his mind too. He didn't, I don't think he wanted that derby twice a year. Like I think he, he's getting older. He wanted it maybe an easier road. Yeah. And he could, he would have gotten that whether he played in Germany or Italy. So I think at this point in his career, he's trying to maximize the most out of winning those championships and those European, uh, those champions league cups. He's probably got one more Euro cup left in him. He probably doesn't have a world cup left in him because he'd be, late thirties at that point. Quite frankly, I, I was saying at the beginning of the tournament that I think he has one more world cup in him. And I, I, I'm holding out hope until I see a drop off in, in talent because he, that Portugal team without him is going to, it's going to be like a lifeless body. It'll be interesting. To like see they'll him. need him at least on the bench. <laughs> I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Real Madrid is now without, um, without him because he yeah. was such a big influence. They have a lot of high quality talent. They got a lot of talent though. But I mean, we've seen it before with the, Neymar syndrome and Messi syndrome where you have one great player surrounded by world-class talent and it seems like that the that team runs only strictly through them. That's true. So, and it happened with Messi at Barcelona once Neymar left and he didn't have that extra person to lean on. And then with PSG and then with Brazil, it didn't have as much a club. We didn't see as much of Neymar at club for PSG, but uh Neymar had to carry his load in the World Cup. That's true. And it really was a big challenge for him because just he's not able to keep up with that constant beating that he was going to take. He's not that type of physical player. Nah. So props to Ronaldo. I think he'll do great in Juventus. He's I don't know how many more years left he has in his prime. We're saying that. That's the GOAT. I'm saying <laughs> and I'm saying maybe he'll keep it going, but uh I think it'll be interesting to see how he does, and it'll be cool to see him in a different jersey. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Those jerseys are flying off the shelves, though. So. <laughs> uh, we're going to end real quick with just some quick Premier League news. Um, we have just a couple moves that we wanted to discuss. First, this happened way back, but we didn't talk about it because we were in World Cup uh, mode. Uh, Fred, who's a Brazilian midfielder, Woo! who was on the roster, didn't play pretty much at all no, in this he World Cup. He, he didn't play. Um, he is a good player, though. He played for a Ukrainian team called Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, he moved to Manchester United to help that midfield out. Um, they had Nemanja Matic, who came over from Chelsea in the previous year. Good holding midfielder, but um, didn't, didn't Fran- play great. Yeah, France. One of France's heroes, Paul Pogba, comes back from the World Cup and uh, gets some extra help, some extra young help with him in terms of Fred. Uh, did you get to see? Have you seen much of his highlights? Like I got to see some of them because they played against Manchester City in the uh, in the Champions League, mm. and he did look he did look quite impressive as a holding midfielder. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie, I haven't seen much. I've seen like. Lit like 15 second clips on Twitter just because Man U posted some stuff after we signed him, but I really haven't seen much on him. But I'm hearing good things, so yeah, he'll definitely compete in that center midfielder, help replace Michael Carrick, yeah, former legend. And now, uh, I think he's retired at this point. He's actually he's at the club, he's helped. Is he like an assistant? Now? Yeah, he's like an assistant. See, that's good. I'm glad that uh, he stayed at the club because he's been a he was a Manchester United legend for a long time, was one of the last of those, yeah, if you players, uh, just. Uh, for the fans, if you guys are uh, watching any of the games, he'll always be in the stands uh, right next to Sir Alex Ferguson. So, yeah. yeah. He was one of Sir Alex Ferguson's uh, big players during that golden era with the Ronaldos and the Wayne Rooney's and the David Beckhams. <sighs> the golden years. So he was one of the younger players in that generation. That's why he's just retiring now because Beckham was in his prime at that point. Yeah. So was, Ronaldo was young, but they're right around the same age. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so they have another holding midfielder to help Pogba, which will be a big deal. That'll help keep fre- fresh legs. Yeah. Uh, then next we have Jorginho, a former a Brazilian-born, yeah. but Italian international. Mm-hmm. Played for Napoli this past year. Was very good for Napoli. Like I mentioned, him and his coach, uh, Sarri, both moving to Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, Sarri officially made his move. Uh, they they played really well this year. They made a huge showing against Manchester City during the uh, – World, during the Champions League, 
They finished second in, in the Italian division behind only Juventus. Really strong showing. Uh, they were really impressive to watch. And Jorginho's that really good holding midfielder, another holding midfielder um, that'll give Chelsea some quality because Danny Drinkwater and uh, Cesus Fabregas aren't really world-class options. And Jorginho gives you that potential next to Nagolo Conte, who, again, coming back from France, another champion, right. really could use some help in that midfield for Chelsea if they want to get back to their uh, to their winning ways because this past year was a down year for them. I think they finished out of the Champions League. Like yeah, they're no, in Europa League. They're in Europa. So that's that's quite a fall from a team that had won the Premier League the year before that. Right. But Jorginho's really good signing. I like him a lot. City Manchester City was trying to get him, and it didn't end up working out. I would have really liked him. He would have been a good central midfielder because actually that's the one one of the weak spots is that we don't have a lot of depth in that weak holding spots. spot. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, okay. And then to add to our weak spots, we added another attacker. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. To transition perfectly. Uh, Manchester City signed another big-time player named Riyad Mahrez. He's an Algerian international player, played for Leicester City, was part of that Cinderella-Leicester City team that won the Premier League a couple years ago and was actually voted the uh, Premier League Football Player of the Year that year. Which is just crazy impressive. Like, he, he's a very good player. I'm interested about his character because this past um, winter, he almost got transferred to Manchester City, and when it didn't happen, he went AWOL from the team for a few days. And to just, I mean, I don't know, maybe it was a different situation, but to me, that just kind of makes me feel like you're a crybaby. Yeah. Which, again... A lot of soccer players do this when they don't get what they want. They're very moody people, so I don't want to hold it too much against them. Uh, when they don't play for the clubs they want, they they do things like this. But um, <laughs> I mean, I like the move for Manchester City, but at the same time, Riyad Mahrez is another attacking talent added to Bernardo Silva, of Port- who played for Portugal, Raheem Sterling playing for England, Leroy Sané, who should have played for Germany, uh, Kevin De Bruyne from Belgium, David Silva from Spain, Ilkay Gundogan from Germany, Stacked. Fernandinho from Brazil, Stacked. Fabian Delph from England. Oh my God. Like, there's already so many midfield options that I was just we and we and then to on top of that we added attacking options in Sergio Aguero and Gabriel Jesus. So I don't quite get the signing just because it's a lot of money to spend on someone who's probably going to be playing a rotational role, like everyone will be, with the exception of probably just De Bruyne and Fernandinho unless we get another center midfielder to help ease some of that role off of Fernandinho, or potentially they could move a Ilkay Gundogan or uh, another player could play some of that role. Honestly, I just, I just see it as a power move because this, this is something that you see in the big clubs. It's not necessarily that you need the talent or you need the player, but like Graham said, he's going to be a rotational piece. When you're a big club like Man City that just won the Premier League, you're going to have some hangover. You're going to need fresh guys who haven't been there with the club who want to make a name for themselves at a big club. And he could be important early in the season because he's one of the few players on that list that I mentioned that didn't play in the World Cup. Right. And and not only that, but like I said, you're a big club. You're going to be playing. You're playing Champions League. You're playing uh, You're playing Premier League. You're playing all of these tournament cup matches. You're playing cup matches. You're playing all of these little tournaments and you need quality players who aren't necessarily going to be like your derby guys, but can be a, a good fix for you when you're playing a lower cup match or your Champions League guys need to take a rest. So maybe they play in some league matches. These are the types of things that big clubs do. So I see it as a power move for Man City. Now you didn't need him, but he could be an important uh, rotational piece for you. Yeah. And the, who knows? There could be more moves coming from there. So 
City has always been willing to spend money because of their uh, their owner, rich ass oil tycoon. Yeah, Saudi Arabian, Middle Eastern, uh, Middle Eastern owner definitely helps with the money and why Man City has risen to power uh, in the last probably five to six years. But um, City and Man United both had moves. Chelsea made a move, and then Liverpool, another big club. Yeah, several good moves. Yeah, they're really um, golden I'm, boys of the transfer season. I'm going to start with probably the bargain so far. Shakiri, certain Shakiri. For those who don't know, he played for um, played for Switzerland in the World Cup. Had a really good showing at the World Cup, and uh, only signed for 13 million euros, which in transfer fees nowadays is dirt very cheap. cheap. Dirt cheap. And that was a release clause that was in his contract. He played for a lower tier team, Stoke City, in the Premier League. Uh, lower money, so they had to sell them just because lower clubs can't afford to keep those players, so they eventually have to sell them to keep a profit. So that's what Stoke City had to do. They sold him. Liverpool gets another option with their attacking options. Uh, Zerdan Shakiri, Alex Oxlade, Chamberlain. Uh, then you have, I'm forgetting the other midfield players for them, but then you add to their center midfield, you're going to have Fabinho, formerly of AS Monaco, snub from the Brazilian uh, World Cup team just because that's how good the midfield was. A lot of talent. Uh, he could have been in there based on talent, but there was different personnel options. Point being, he's very versatile. He was on that Monaco team two years ago with Kylie Mbappe and Thomas Lamar. That, <laughs> yeah, that, that was the team that won the French the French league over Paris Saint Germain, which is a big deal. That and was like Mbappe's coming out. Party. Made it to the semifinals of the Champions League yeah. that year. That was a that was a massive year for Monaco because of all the talent they had, but uh. Fabinho moved on. Thomas Lamar moved on to Atletico Madrid. So that Monaco team is now out of their big time players. But that happens. Like we yeah. said, Monaco's a more of a mid tier team, but that happens with uh, big clubs. But Fabinho's a really good holding midfielder. And then they also got Naby Keita from uh, RB Leipzig. He actually was signed last year, but German clubs usually keep their teams for a, players for a year and then give them to yeah, the other teams. Grant was explaining this to me because I was like, why? Why? I don't understand why, but it happens a lot in a lot of German leagues where they'll sign a player a year ahead of time for a lower fee mm. and then let him play out that thing. And then the fee's already agreed upon and he just joins the club. So that's what Nabi Keita is going to do. Uh, he's with the team now. He's another center midfielder, center defense midfielder, can play up a little bit. So their center midfield has gotten a lot stronger. Jordan Henderson, Fabinho, and Keita. Really strong options with Zern Shakiri and Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. Oh yeah, and let's not forget their uh, their nightmare of a front three with Roberto Firmino, Mohamed mm-hmm. Salah, and Sadio Mane. Uh, they are Liverpool has made a really strong run to the World Cup final. They could be a really big challenge for both Manchester clubs next year. That third team, everyone's Manchester United and Manchester City are usually the two this year probably going to be the two teams that are seen as the top two. But where's that third team? The Liverpool, the Chelsea. I think Liverpool is going to be the big one. Yeah, no, it's going to be Liverpool. Although, uh, us, who didn't, they had a really good season. Like, they just need goalkeeping help. That's their big thing. Yeah, that's true. But um, those are all the big transfer news. We're going to be back with you more. Uh, the preseason starting to happen. So as the U.S. tour happens, we'll we'll talk about some of our big players. Uh, we're going to be doing different podcasts with the Retreat City Sports as well. Me and Andrew haven't podcasted in a while, but we're going to we're talking about we want to talk video games. We want to talk music. We want to talk all these different things. So, uh, um, yeah, definitely be on the lookout for that because we're definitely trying to expand the podcast a little bit. We know we haven't been doing the LSD for a couple, like a month or two. So we're trying to get back into the LSD podcast with music. I'm trying to start like a Destiny type of gaming. Like y'all know I did the Night Stalker songs. Like y'all know I'm into Destiny. I'm trying to start like a 
destiny-centered podcast focused around gaming or uh, uh, gaming podcast focused around destiny uh, that me and Kit are trying to start. Uh, but I'll keep you all posted for that. Um, again, Graham and, uh, Andrew are doing their tree city sports. Uh, so be a lookout for that. And red and blues continuing into the season. We're going to keep bringing you transfer news, uh, keep bringing you premier league stuff as it comes out. Uh, I'm going to have about a month and a half until the premier league season. Yeah. It's going to be a slow little month, uh, assuming any more big transfers don't happen. But, uh, once the season starts, we're going to be here for everything. So make sure you stay tuned, uh, treecityrecords.com. So you can join the street team. You'll get updates on this podcast, red and blue, uh, Graham and Andrews, tree city sports, original podcast, uh, LSD, uh, Brittany's podcast, slanted spines. slanted spines, all the podcasts we do, uh, all the music updates, uh, all singles, albums, everything, uh, you get all updates on everything Tree City if you join the Tree City Street team at treecityrecords.com. Uh, and follow us on all your favorite social medias and uh, recommend a friend. We really do appreciate the support, y'all. That's, we are really excited for the upcoming World Cup, or from the upcoming season, but it was a great World Cup. Let's say goodbye, and we will be back soon with more Premier League ap- action, more soccer action, more video games. All the fun stuff you guys are looking for. Yep. So definitely be a lookout for Tree City because we are coming, man. We are coming. Thank you for listening so much. Leave us a five star if you can in the iTunes review. We really would appreciate it. Yes. Tell a friend, like you said. Thank you again for listening to the Red and Blue Podcast. Peace.